Greetings, Word Horde. We're here with an exciting option for you, a version of our podcast without any ads. That's right. No advertising interruptions, just the content you love, ready to go in your favorite podcast apps like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's another way to support the show, ensuring that we keep bringing you the word stories and language explorations that you love. Try it at waywardradio.org slash adfree. And it's affordable. For just a small subscription fee, you can enjoy Away With Words uninterrupted, except by us. Plus, it makes a great gift. Know somebody who loves language as much as you do? Give them the gift of words. Easy to sign up, easy to enjoy. It's the same Away With Words, just streamlined for your listening pleasure. Go to waywardradio.org slash adfree. Support us, support the show, and enjoy an ad-free listening experience. waywardradio.org slash adfree. Thank you. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett. And Martha, did you see what happened with that column that I ran the other day? The one in the Malaysia Star where I wrote about words that people mispronounce on purpose? Oh, my gosh. Yes. People I'm not alone. No, you're not. That was amazing. I saw all these blog entries about it. let Let me catch everyone up here. What I wrote about is words that I mispronounce on purpose. And one of the words is, for example, muscles. I say it like Popeye sometimes. Right, Instead yeah. of saying muscles, I say muscles. Or mm-hmm. I say computer instead of computer. Uh, I mimic Ned Beatty in the Superman movies when he says Lex Luthor. I say computer. <laughs> and there's a ton. Of, I say toilet instead of toilet. And uh, there's a ton of this stuff. And, you know, judging by the conversations I've seen online, everyone does this. On Jason Kotke's blog at kotke.org, um, there were something like 250-plus comments of people contributing words that they say wrong on purpose. It was amazing. People just picked that up and ran with it. And but you're you know you have good speech and good language, but I bet you, you mispronounce a few Thank things you. on purpose, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I made a mistake with exactly in the column. It's a blend of precisely and exactly, right? Mm-hmm. At least that's the way I use it. Absolutely, positively. There we go. There we go. And you know what? I'd love to open up the email channel and the, and the telephone to everyone else to contribute the words that they mispronounce on purpose. This stuff is fun. I want more of it. The email address is words at waywardradio.org. Or call us. The number is 1-877-929-9673. Hello. You have a way with words. Hi, Grant. This is Reverend Ruth from Shellsburg, Pennsylvania. I came across a phrase that I have used all my life that some of my folks here at the church that I'm the pastor of weren't familiar with when I used it. And the phrase was, by way of Robin Hood's barn. And you would use that how? Well, I would use it to mean the long way, the scenic way, or by any way other than the most direct route, Mm -hmm. Uh uh, which comes from my family, which is from Texas and New York, and both sides use it approximately the same way. Really? Both sides? Both sides. And the first time I remember hearing the phrase, I was about six years old, and my grandmother and I had been at the store, and we went into their house in Texas, and my grandfather looked up and said, What'd you do? Come home by way of Robin Hood's barn? <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and, of course, I look and go, what does that mean? Uh-huh. And he said, well, that just means the long way. And, of course, my grandmother said, no, we just stopped to talk to everybody. <laughs> and, then, and then later that same summer, my grandfather in Florida and I were going out, and we were going someplace that I knew how to get to on Route 1, which is the Dixie Highway, and we didn't go to Route 1. We went some other way. I said, Gramps, why are we doing this? And he said, because this time of day, it's easier to go by Robin Hood's barn. Oh, my gosh. So you've had this all your life, and you I've, used it with other people, and they just looked at you like... Yeah, and, you know, I've used it. I've lived in Massachusetts. I've, you know, lived in other parts of the country, and people never seem to blink an eye at it. But I uh-huh. said this, and and we were coming home, ironically enough, by way of country roads. And, you know... We were just talking about how beautiful those roads were and what a pleasurable thing it was to drive along. I said, yeah, I love these old roads where you can go by way of Robin Hood's barn to get to places and yeah. you're not really going out of the way. Yeah. And it was just these blank stairs. <laughs> Isn't this a wonderful expression, Grant? I just I love it. When you say it, people sometimes don't know what you're talking about and say so, but sometimes they just don't say anything. Do you think they're just letting you go by with that because they think it's something you made up on the spot or do you think that they're understanding you? I think they're understanding me, but maybe they're not. I mean, <laughs> It's hard to tell because, 
you know, there there is that propensity of people not to let on that they don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. You're calling for relief. You want to know that um, you're not um, a crazy woman who says crazy things. Oh, well, yeah, especially since I got it from two different sides of the family. Well, you know, craziness is inherited, so. Well, that is true. And, you know, I am in the ministry, and it sometimes goes hand in hand. So. Oh, yeah? The reason we know it's interesting is because we can tell you a few things about it. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty straightforward, if you think about it, you know, Robin Hood stole from the rich and gave to the poor, and he lived out there in Sherwood Forest, mm-hmm. and so he kept his stuff out there, and so if you're talking about Robin Hood's barn, it's sort of figurative, it's it's all the, this big expanse, so if you're going around Robin Hood's barn, or going all through Robin Hood's barn, that's a lot of ground to cover. Well, exactly. I know that it doesn't go all the way back to the time of Robin Hood, which I think was, what, the 12th, 13th century, something like yeah. that? Yeah, but, but it's King pretty, Richard and King John. So. Yeah, but it's a pretty old, old expression. Right. The first use that I can find of it is from a Philadelphia magazine called The Reflector in 1806. And um, I'm looking at the newspaper databases here, and it's a fairly standard use, but they don't give any clue as to when or where it uh, originated. And, I, you know, Obviously, it's older than that. This is just the first printed use that we can find. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about an expression that's more than 200 years old. So yeah. that's another thing I like about this. It's it's very interesting to me that you can know it and your family can know it, but so many people don't, even though it's that old. Yeah. Uh, it does appear pretty quickly by, I think, the 1850s in the United Kingdom. It's possible that it originated there. When we're talking about stuff that's more than 200 years old, the cultural meshing of the United Kingdom and the United States of America was was m- much different then. We were, we were more mm-hmm. intermeshed. So it's possible that it originated there. Yeah, well, Ruth, I think we've kind of gone all around Robin Hood's barn here, but we've given you some stuff to work with, huh? Well, that's very helpful. Now I don't feel quite like when I get funny looks like, you know, I'm using something that's unique to us. That's right. Just give walk him a funny tall, look Walk tall, Reverend. Walk tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Ruth, thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 If you'd like to speak with us, give us a call. The number is one Or you can email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hello. You have a way with words. Hi. This is Mary McCormick. Well, hello, Mary. Where are you calling from? Uh, New Jersey. New Jersey. Where in New Jersey? Uh, Livingston. What exit? <laughs> what exit? 145. <laughs> okay, great. All right, I'll be right over. Have the fire ready. <laughs> What's on your mind, Mary? Well, I have a little curious thing with my nephew who we had a pronunciation dispute about the Beaux-Arts style of architecture. Ah. B-E-A-U-X. Mm-hmm. Is this what aunts and nephews usually talk about together? Yeah, isn't that a little strange? Well, he is a, uh, Martha will love this, he's a classics major at Fordham. All right. So we were driving through D.C., and he happened to mention something about the Beaux-Art architecture, and I thought, what? <laughs> and I said, do you mean Beaux-Art? And he said, no, it's pronounced Beaux-Art. Wait a minute. Is he talking about little bows on the building? Bows on the buildings or maybe boyfriend art. I wasn't sure. <laughs> so, of course, his mother agreed with him that it was indeed pronounced Beaux-Art. Oh, is th- this is your sister? This is my sister, yeah. Okay. Right. Now, was she doing this because she was just sticking up for her son or because she actually thinks that's how it's pronounced? I think a little of both. So the word that we're talking about here is, it's a French term, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's B-E-A-U-X hyphen A-R-T. Mm-hmm. That's correct. All right. Right. So now why in the world would your nephew say beau art? I don't know. That's a great question. Well, wait, you asked us. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he told, apparently he had a, a world history teacher that told him it was hyper-foreignism to say beaux art. Oh, now, wait a minute. Hmm, that's interesting. So you're saying, Mary, that Beaux-Arts is the correct pronunciation? Yes, that's what I'm saying. And with I'm agreeing t- with Mary. With, with Way a to t go. Sound, <laughs> with a T sound at the end. Yes, Beaux-Arts. All right, I'm going to argue with both of you then. then uh, I should say Beaux-Arts. It should be Beaux-Arts without the T at the end. That's hyperforeignism. <laughs> that's actually cor- that's actually that's actually correct French. The hyperforeignism yes. is to actually get the the elision between the X and the A correct, but actually leave the T on, which is a which is a, an anglophile or anglophone way of pronouncing the word. Yeah, right. but but we've adopted this into English. I mean, well, then the question is, if you're going to adopt it that far, why not take your nephew's pronunciation even, which would be adopted even further? Well, see, that's what I said to him. Why not just say fine art, which is the <laughs> translation? Right. Boy, that's that's hyper borrowing. <laughs> but okay, so he's studying classics at Fordham University, which is a great school. Um, and I don't know why he just couldn't adopt the the really fancy pants pretentious pronunciation. Because if he's going to get away with it anywhere, it's going to be there. Right. <laughs> <In> New York. <laughs> 
Well, you guys, I'm I'm looking at a few uh, English language dictionaries, and I'm seeing the pronunciations bozar and bozart, and I see one with bozarts, but I don't see any that drops that z sound. Very I think good. that's that's the problem. That's that's where I would disagree with him is is dropping that z sound. And I also don't think that it's really a hyperforeignism either. I, th- right. I think that's when you mispronounce a foreign word, like a lot of people say. Um, coup de gras, when it's actually coup de grace, right. which is, you know, the final stroke, the stroke of mercy. And coup de gras is actually blow of fat. <laughs> stroke so of I fat. get to but, gloat is the bottom this line. Is, no, but this is why I was kind of uh, saying that the teacher who said it was a hyperformism had a point, because you are pronouncing the T on the end, which is incorrect. So if you're going to attempt the French pronunciation, you would leave that T sound off. Right, but I don't think that she's attempting the French pronunciation. Well, what I'm saying right? is, you're if, talking if, about what's been adopted into English, right? But it, Correct. That's only one of the adopted pronunciations, right? But in any case, right. your your nephew's wrong, no matter which way you look at it. Oh, very good. <laughs> and your and sister how, too. <laughs> it's more so that my sister is. <laughs> Get her back for all those years of hogging the bathroom. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, I I just don't see any evidence at all that you would ever take out the Z sound, regardless of what you do at the end of that word. Right. Yeah. The, the Z term. sounds kind of important. And actually, I think it makes the word uh, really nice to hear. And there's clarity. Yeah. I didn't know what bow art was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's the picture of the the mermaid on the front of the boat, right? <laughs> that could be, yeah. <laughs> no, that's bow art. No, I'm, oh, okay. I'm thinking of the thing you bring home from kindergarten where you take the little, you know, bow tie pasta and you glue it to the paper and then, oh. you know, mom puts it on the fridge. I, tell him that's bow art. Well, Mary, thank you for your call. I hope this turns out well um, and, and doesn't turn into like a, a fisticuffs when you're... Uh, oh, no, not at all. Okay. All well, right. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Thanks. Best of luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Well, if you've got a question about pronunciation, um, give us a call. Martha and I are sure to argue about it. one 877 Or you can email us at words at waywardradio.org. You know, Grant, there's a magazine called The Bookseller, and every year they run a contest for the most strangely named books of the year. Have you seen this contest? No, but this sounds exactly like my sort of thing. What is it? It's a contest in which they counted up about 8,500 votes. And this is a contest that historically has called to our attention books like How to Avoid Huge Ships, (laughs) High Performance (laughs) Stiffened Structures, living with crazy buttocks, and things like that. (laughs) But I thought you'd be interested in this year's winners. Third place went to Cheese Problems Solved. (laughs) I am getting that book immediately. Too many holes. (laughs) (laughs) Another entrant this uh, year was I Was Tortured by the Pygmy Love Queen. But the winner overall was a self-help guide called If You Want Closure in Your Relationship, Start With Your Legs. (laughs) (laughs) FYI What do they mean? (laughs) Will you explain that to me? (laughs) I'll get you a book Um, Anyway Well, if you've got a bad book title to suggest Give us a call The number is 1-877-929-9673 Or email us The address is words at waywardradio.org Up next on Away With Words, it's a word puzzle, and we'll take more of your calls. You're listening to Away With Words. I'm Martha Barnett. And I'm Grant Barrett, and in the studio with us today is the fabulous and wonderful John Chinesky, our quiz guy. Hi, Grant. Hi, Martha. I, I am in the studio Yo. today. I, I had no idea where I was for a little while. Usually we make him stand on the street, but today we let him in. <laughs> but things are good. I'm so, I'm so glad. Thank you. You got a quiz? Yes, I do. Uh, let's do a quiz. You know, a very common sort of wordplay that you often find in a crossword theme is when you remove the first letter of a word and you get another word. For example, Mm. if you take the first letter off the word bring, you get ring. Ring. Which which sounds like a bring. 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 Is ring. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll call this a a takeoff since you take off the first letter. Okay? Uh, Okay. So what we'll do today is takeoffs 
of some common phrases or famous titles. Now, these will be two or three or four word phrases. Remember, I need you to give me the phrase after the letter has been taken off the front of the phrase. Okay? Okay. Let's give it a shot. We'll start with it with an easy one. One of the most famous phrase takeoffs of all time, I think, this was the title of a 1984 Weird Al Yankovic parody of a Michael Jackson hit. Sure. Eat it. Eat it, right. Oh. It was his parody of Beat It. Right. <laughs> Appropriately, the song title is merely a takeoff of the Jackson song title, Eat It, to Beat It. Good. Thank you. So that was from album Thriller, was it? That's right. It's from Michael Jackson's album Thriller. Let's move on. This one, this one shouldn't, be, shouldn't, be, uh, shouldn't be a problem. Originally, it was the title of a boxing film starring Robert De Niro. Now it describes a head of cattle that's perhaps getting on in years. <laughs> Aging bull. Aging bull. Right. I was thinking Aki? What? Well, I like my beef aged, but not in that way. <laughs> not that old. Let's move on. Originally, this was Margaret Mitchell's most famous novel. Now it can describe a nirvana-like state that may be achieved by a Buddhist who likes to sail. Margaret Mitchell. Margaret Mitchell's famous novel about the South. Mm, Own one with the wind. Oh, one with the wind. <laughs> one with the wind. Thinking, it's not called um. Gome with the wind. What the? Yeah. <laughs> right. It's not phonetically a a, uh, a takeoff. It's, it's just. I uh, get it. Okay. That's very letter good. wise. Very right. good. Okay. Originally, it was a tarot card or a very popular game show. Now this phrase can describe a physical feature of the Greek character Achilles, especially if it had been lucky instead of unlucky. So, heel of fortune? Heel oh. of fortune is correct. <laughs> oh, very good. And so Anna, Anna White's the one that turns the title. Yeah. Anna, Anna White, very good. She'd like to buy a continent. <laughs> Moving on. Originally, it's a place where polite manners and etiquette are taught. Now it describes a dojo for ninjas. <laughs> I got that one. Oh, you do? I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm at a loss. Charm school, turning well, into harm it. school. Harm school is right. <laughs> oh, right. Harm school to charm school. Thank you. Or backwards. Here's the next. Yes. Originally, it's the title of a James Taylor song. Now it describes the scene at Yankee Stadium last week. Fans were pretty angry that the season opener had been postponed due to inclement weather. I've seen iron. I've seen rain. That's right. I've seen some pretty hired <laughs> Yankee fans. Oh, man. I've iron. seen sunny days that I thought would never end. Grant, See, I'm eating your dust. That was iron rain or f- fire and rain? Fire and rain. Right. I do like that song, even though it's completely you know, kind of overplayed, but still. Yeah. yeah. It's a lovely song. Okay, just a few more. Originally, it's what you should drink when taking two aspirin. Now, this might be a way to describe a lovely Irish mermaid. Odka? No. (laughs) You take take odka with your aspirin? That's how they say, that's a woman's name in mermish, isn't it? (laughs) Hiskey. Um, uh, 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 What did you drink when you take two aspirin? Otter. A gulp. Ader? Um... You drink glass, cup, sip. Yeah, wa- probably Try your water. first, your first, the first glass. Lass. Ah, so and what do you get? Lass of water. <laughs> what? What's the what's the now, mermaid part again? This might be a way to describe a lovely Irish mermaid. Oh, and it's, it's not lass of water. It is lass of water. Oh, okay. oh lass of water. Lass right of water. Glass of water. Sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Lass of water. Okay, I like this one. Originally, this referred to meeting someone in person without an intermediary. Remove a letter, and let me tell you, if you play tennis against Roger Federer, you might get one of these right in the punum. <laughs> oh, oh, so sure. face so to face. Ace to, ace right. to face. Right. Ace to face, right. right. Ah, right. very ace nice. to face or face to face. Okay. <laughs> Here's the last one. I think this one's good for away with words. Here we go. Originally, this meant adjectives, adverbs, prepositions. With a letter removed, it means... Oratory, debate, projection, mm. breath control. Arts of speech. Mm-hmm. Arts of speech. Mm-hmm. And that was quite artfully done. Very it's good. Instead of parts of speech. Parts of speech. Grant, you are amazing at taking off. What are you? What? Oh, pun. Sorry, I had my pun glasses on. I can't see any pun. <laughs> Did I hear what I think I heard? What? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Poor... The poor devil is shivering. I have no idea what you're talking about there at all. John, it's been highly amusing. 
Uh, I had a great time, Ma- too. And oh Martha is cracking gosh. herself up, so we're all having fun. <laughs> John, that's amazing. Do you know how hard it is to get a pun out of this guy? You, you have uh, really warmed him up. That's awesome. I, it's, uh, I'll put it on my resume. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks so much, John. This was tremendous fun. Thank you, Grant. Thank you, Martha. All right. Thank you. And the pipeline to send us email is words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi there. This is Amanda calling from Lafarge, Wisconsin. Amanda? Yes. How are you? I'm well. How are you guys doing? Doing Super. quite well. What's up? I have two questions, and the first one is I've been looking for a word that I once heard, and I don't know if I'd be able to recognize it if I heard it, but the, the meaning of it um, is a social path that gets created. It's a noun, and it's a walking path um, that gets created from people, say, walking across the lawn on a college campus, not an actual paved path, but because it's the best, most natural path from point A to point B. Oh, yes. wow. I do know the word for that. You do know the word for it. Well, well it's, it's, I don't. What is it? waiting with bated breath because I've been looking for it for years. Oh, in, me too. In urban planning, they call that a desire path. A desire path. If you look it up, it's in urban planning books right and left, up and down. It's the most standard term that I know of for that desire because people walk path. where they desire. Right. Well, and my second question is about this, and I thought it was another word. I thought it was a single word, but I could just be remembering it wrong. Is that if you have a word that you're looking for, how do you find a really sophisticated thesaurus to find such a word? And I don't know if Desire Path was what I was thinking or what I remember, but it could have been so long that I just don't remember anymore. (laughs) Um, What's the best way to look up a unique word? Well, mm. in this particular case, I don't think a thesaurus is the tool that you want. And actually, I usually, and this is going to surprise a lot of people, I actively try to dissuade people from using them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, because people, t- and I know this from the work that I've done as a lexicographer, as somebody who, you know, I've worked on a thesaurus before, and I've worked on many dictionaries. I, I've seen the studies that show how people use thesauruses. And they tend to use them incorrectly. What they tend to do is use them as a, a way to come up with a word to substitute for another word. But the problem is they'll grab any old word out of the thesaurus entry without really knowing what it means and just slot it into this sentence. And they tend to use words incorrectly when they do that. They tend to have uh, certainly um, sixth graders on up through almost all the way through college. That's the big age where people are using these words. And it's they come up with these extraordinarily inappropriate phrases. Um, I guess the classic example, Martha, did you tell me this the other day of uh, the kid who looked up? Um, he said, "My my family erodes every night." Erodes. Well, erode, yeah, E R O D E. He looked up the word eat, and and he found the eat away had a synonym <laughs> of erode. <laughs> my family eats out every night is what he meant to say, but he thought he was talking fancy, so he used the word erode. And that's kind of an extreme case, but people do that all the time. Especially when they're learning a foreign language, they actually and and that's yeah, it's, that it's, could be a real danger. It's even right? more so. But people do it in English too. So what I would persuade you to do is to go online. There are a number of different places where you can find this, but the one that I use is OneLook.com mm-hmm. has a reverse dictionary. Yep. And huh. so you, and you'll find a link for it at the bottom of the page. I'm not associated with them in any way. I just like what they what they do there. And uh-huh. you type in the concept, you know, kind of keep it brief, and they'll come up with a bunch of entries that might be related to the concept that you typed in. Yep. And it works pretty well. Huh. Well, that's great. I'm looking forward to using the reverse dictionary from now on. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Okay. Super. Thanks, Thanks for Thanks for giving him. us a ring, Amanda. All right. All right. Bye-bye. 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 You know, Grant, we should point out, to the origin of the word thesaurus, which I just love. In Latin, thesaurus means treasury. Oh, I thought it was related to, like, the verb for beat about the head and neck with a book. <laughs> it's not? No. No, no. Treasury. So it's like a treasury of language. Yeah, isn't that gorgeous? It is nice. Yeah. If you've got a question about language, give us a call, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or email us, words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, Martha and Grant. My Hi. name Hello. is Zola. Zola. Yes. Fabulous I'm- name. And I'm from San Diego, and I had a question. I've been a long-time listener and a fan of the show, love the show, love the show. And Yay. I was wondering if you can help me um, with this um, term. It's a military slang term that I've heard. Um, it's Jody, and I think it's spelled J-O-D-Y. Uh-huh. 
And basically, I have a couple of friends who are in the Army, and they've used this term to refer to um, guys back home who steal the soldiers' girlfriends or steal the soldiers' wives. Whoa. And, yeah. And, for example, like, they would use it, yeah, Jody's got his girl, and he's, he's going to go take her out or something like that. So uh-huh. I was hoping you guys can help me find the origin of Jody and why Jody, and if it's spelled J-O-D-Y-Y, J-O-D-Y. Well, yeah. it is. It and is if it's just usually, one guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is usually J-O-D-Y. So... Uh, military slang is, is uh, there's so much of it. I, it comes across my plate every day. It's good stuff. Um, and yeah, this yeah. is a great, great, well-known piece of military slang that I so totally enjoy because it's um, just an insight into the mind of the soldier, which here's a man. Uh, we'll just uh-huh. talk about the men. We'll leave the, the female soldiers out of it for a minute. Here's a man <laughs> okay. who's halfway around the world. He's left his house, his wife, his kids, maybe his job, everything that he knows, his friends, you know, where he grew up, his family, everything. Mm-hmm. And he's really worried about protecting all of that, right? So there's Absolutely. this in, in his mind, you know, there's a predator on the other side of the world who is like moving in with his wife, you know, and and you know taking over his 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 home. And uh, yeah. the name for this guy, as you say, is Jody. It's J O D Y. Huh. Um, uh, there's a great description of Jody in a, an article from 1965 in the Journal of American Folklore, and. Um, it's that mythical figure who stays at home and, after the soldier has been inducted, steals his girl, his liquor, and runs off with his clothes and his Cadillac. Oh, my gosh. But the uh, David Moorer is a name you probably don't know, but he was a slang researcher. He did some work on this expression in the 1980s, and he published a small article about it. And he's, he's made some connections here to the Jody that our soldiers use today right. to an older form of it called Joe the Grinder or, get this, Joe D. Grinder. Oh. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that's Oh, that's when the first time I saw them, I was like, oh, that makes sense. So okay. the, yeah, the yeah. older name was Joe the Grinder or Joe D. Grinder, and it was shortened later to Jody. So grinding as in? Well, yeah, grinding is slang <laughs> for, um, you know, getting it on. Um, ah. So Jody's the guy who's getting it on with your girl while you're off fighting battles, right? Exactly. All right. And, and what he did, a little bit of work, and he found that... Uh, here's another name. I think I mentioned him before on the show, Martha. But Alan Lomax, you remember him? Mm-hmm. Alan the Lomax was guy. the that the music that that's right the ethnomusicologist who traveled yeah, around the yeah. country recording the old folk tunes. He recorded one from a black American man in Arkansas in the late 1930s that has this guy Joe the Grinder in it. And this Joe the Grinder um, in these lyrics is the same Joe the Grinder or Jody that the American soldiers talk about. Um, it's all a complicated story, but this character, this of this guy who's preying on your wife and stealing your Cadillac while you're away, shows up in the 1940s in prison lore, in mm-hmm. military marching songs, and right. sometimes in Cadences, prison. Yeah. Yeah, and cadences, that's right, prison huh. work crews, and even in some of the songs of itinerant agricultural workers. You know, if you can think of the men working in long rows out in the fields singing, you know. Um, um, yeah, and, okay. But the cadences are where most soldiers know it today. They still they still use these chants. Um, and I found one here, and if, you, if you'll stick with me, I'll read a couple lines of it. You interested Eesh. in this? Um Ain't no use in calling home, Jody's on your telephone. Ain't no use in looking back, Jody's got your Cadillac. Ain't no use in going home, Jody's got your girl and gone. Ain't no use in feeling blue, Jody's got your sister too. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Well, thank you so much. I've always wondered what that was about, but thank you. I appreciate it. We'll post some more information about Jody on the website. I'm going to try to find that Alan Lomax song that he recorded, and I'm pretty sure I can at least find the text some, some of the, from some of the military cadences, and we'll post those because they're a lot of fun. They're, they've always got a dark humor that's, uh, that I appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, Zola, thanks for a really interesting question. Thanks, Martha. Thanks, Grant. Right. You're welcome. I hope I helped. You did. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Super duper. Take, Take care. care. Thanks. Bye. Bye. You know, Grant, you had me worried there because back when I was a cub reporter in Kentucky, I was sent to Fort Knox to follow a guy through basic training. And boy, some of those military songs, <laughs> some of those cadences. Well, and they you know, were cleaning them up because I was there. Oh, right, I mean, right. Oh, my gosh, they're filthy. 
Oh, but you know, and I've given the short version of this. So it's, uh, I bet I'll try you to, have. I'll try to find some 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 longer information to post online about Jody and the things that Jody's been up to. Because Shame it, on Jody! It's a great Jody is a great folk character that still shows up in military and in an era when we think that we're beyond myth and we're beyond superstition and we're beyond folk legends. Here he is. He still exists and he's still talked about. That's right. He's like this mythical monster or something. We do love questions about military language and there's tons of it. So give us a call, 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-929-WORD. Or email us, words at waywardradio.org. Martha, we were talking earlier about words that we mispronounce on purpose, and we agreed, right, that we both do it. Right. And we don't do it because we're stupid or we don't want to irritate other people. We do it because it's fun. It's right. just a way of goofing off with language, which is one of the cool things. Language can take it. You know, language can take a lot <laughs> of fooling right. around before it breaks. And and I also mentioned on Jason Cocky's blog there was a long discussion where people used the short column that I wrote as a huge launching point to contribute their own words that they mispronounce. I, I highly recommend you look it up. One of my favorites, and it's not a word that I mispronounce, or at least I didn't used to on purpose, but I think I will now. It's impossible, rendered as impostable. Impostable? <laughs> impostable, like a post bowl oh, yeah. pasta. Impostable. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I like it. It's, it's, there's something cool about it. It's got a nice feel to it. Impostable. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have any that you mispronounce on purpose? Oh, impossible. I mean, that makes me think of people talking about a pigment of their imagination, but that's not... Well, what about this? Do you ever call the department chain Target Target? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's a big one. Lots yeah. of people do that one. Yeah, Target and Croger, at least in the Midwest. For oh, so, right. There's a there's a chain of stores in the Midwest called Kroger. We right. had those in Missouri, but my brother and I, we called them K. Roger. <laughs> nice. Well, after Kmart, you know? Oh, yeah. And also, you know, there are words that we mispronounce that kind of call back to the mispronunciations that other people make that they don't know they're making, like library. Yep. Right? Or chimbley and family. Family I use all the time. There's something really appealing and warm, actually, about the pronunciation family, at least to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, in any case, if you've got some of this stuff, we'd love to we'd love to hear about the things that you say wrong on purpose. The email address is words at waywardradio.org, and the phone number is 1-877-929-9673. Get ready for our game about weird words from the edges of English. It's coming up next on Away With Words. Stay tuned. listening to Away With Words, I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett. And it's time for Slang This, the puzzle where you guess the meaning of strange slang terms. Today's contestant is Dorothea Gillum of Boston, Massachusetts. Dorothea, welcome. Thank you. Say hello to Grant. Hi, Grant. Hello, Dorothea. And, you know, I should point out before we go any further that uh, Dorothea is not just any word nerd. She's the creator and executive producer of the PBS animated series Word Girl. So, Dorothea, tell us who Word Girl is and what she does. Well, Word Girl is a 10-year-old superhero who can bend steel and fly at the speed of sound. And she knows every word in the dictionary and some hieroglyphics, too. Oh, she would have been my role model when I was young. Do you have a favorite slang term? You know, I I don't know if I have a favorite slang term, but I have one that caught my ear um, recently. Um, In the boat. I'd never heard that expression before, but one of our our casting directors here, we were talking about an upcoming Word Girl record, and we were having trouble nailing down one of our actors who will remain nameless, and um, the casting director said, well, you know, better to go with someone else who's in the boat. In the boat? And I had to ask him what that meant, and it meant, um, it's, it's, I guess, a fishing term, where instead of you're reeling 
someone in, you've got it's like a sure thing. It's in the boat. Ah, hmm. That's the fish you've you already heard landed. That before? No, I haven't. But explaining it with the fishing imagery really works because it's the fish you've already landed rather than shooting for the fish that you haven't caught yet, right? Exactly. Well, let's move on to our game. Dorothea, Grant's going to give you a slang term, and then he will give you three sentences that suggest what that term could mean. Now, only one of those will be real, and the other two examples will be fake. So your task will be to guess which sentence illustrates how this slang term is really used. Now, chances are you won't have heard the word before, so the trick is going to be to puzzle out its meaning. And since Word Girl can't be here to be a lifeline, (laughs) I'll be standing by to help you if you get stuck, okay? Great. All right, here we go. All right, so we're going to have two terms for you to guess today, and the first one is pelican crossing. That's two words, P-E-L-I-C-A-N-C-R-O-S-S-I-N-G, pelican crossing. And the sample sentences are... Nigel hammered on the button at the Pelican Crossing, but the traffic light didn't change. And the second sample sentence. On the day of this year's Pelican Crossing, those gleaming white sails looked like flocks of seabirds headed for open water. It was the first day of great sailing this year. And the third one. The ferry didn't stop, but came just close enough so that we could make a Pelican Crossing by leaping across the dark water to the dock. So is a pelican crossing a pedestrian-controlled crosswalk? Is it the first good sailing day of the year? Or is it disembarking a ship by jumping across open water? Wow, that's a tough one. It is a tough one. What would you say if I told you that this term is British? Oh, well, that changes everything. (laughs) Because, um, let's see, pelican crossing... Well, I love the image of the last one. I do, too. <laughs> that um, the idea that someone would leap like a pelican mm-hmm. between the boat and the dock is um, very graceful and beautiful. But yeah, and there should be a word in- for that, too. There really should be a word for that, although my father's a sailor, and I've been in that position before, and it's not always done gracefully. I <laughs> yeah, it's the don't get wet crossing. Is what it is. Yeah, usually... <laughs> You're more like a scared cat, duck running for the the dock. But um, which one are you keen on? I'm keen on the middle one. So you're thinking of first good sailing day of the year. Yeah, hmm. it sounds British, and it sounds like it should have a name. Pelican. Well, the reason I offered you that second clue that it sounds British is because I included in my first sentence the name Nigel, because indeed it is the pe- Pelican Crossing is a pedestrian controlled crosswalk. That's hilarious. <laughs> it is. Now, I've heard them called, a, well, I guess that's just the crosswalk in, that's in Britain a, called a zebra. Well, right. A, a zebra crossing is, but that's just about the paint on the road and whether right. or not it's pedestrian controlled or not. Right. It's not quite an acronym. The pelican comes from the words pedestrian light control. Oh, so it's, really? Yeah. So it's a little, it's the P-E from pedestrian, the L-I from light, and the C-O-N, although it's the wrong spelling, from control. Dorothea, who Got knew? Me with the anachronym. <laughs> all right. Well, let's try another one and see how you do on this one, all right? Okay. So the second term is zanjero. It's a term used in the American Southwest in a dialect of Spanish that is spoken there. And the first sample sentence is, Zanjero, she cried, as the bus for Santa Fe left the station without her. Driver, wait! The second sentence with a deft movement, the Sanjero swiveled the board that diverts the water to canals surrounding the orchard. And the third sentence. Plucky young Sanjeros from the suburbs often try their hand at hunting roadrunners, believing that the birds are as hard to catch in real life as they are in cartoons. So, which of these meanings is the correct one used in the Spanish spoken in the American Southwest? Is it a word for bus driver? Is it someone who mechanically controls the flow of irrigation? Or is it a man from the suburbs who foolishly chases roadrunners? <laughs> I really want it to be C. <laughs> <laughs> I was imagining, like, guys in pink polo shirts and, like, you know, <laughs> penny loafers. Yeah. I hope that there is a phenomenon like that happening in the American Southwest. I mean, not for the sake of the, the roadrunners, of course, but... Well, you know, because cow tipping's all played out. You've got to have something new, right? Right, right. Um, I have a feeling, though, it might be B. It yeah? Sounds, Which yeah, I don't know why, but I, I, 
I feel like it might be a firm term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going you... completely on gut here, Grant. All right, this is your I answer. Got nothing then, to back me up. So that's right. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. It's a sanjero is someone who mechanically controls the flow of irrigation. The word comes from the Spanish words zanja, meaning a deep ditch or irrigation ditch, and zanjon, which means a ditch rider or overseer. A ditch rider is somebody who is responsible for making sure that the the ditch isn't dammed up or isn't blocked and the water is flowing to the crops like it should. So there you go. That's nice uh, work there. That, well, thank that's you. Fr- I, I, phew, redeemed myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You're batting five hundred. Well, Dorothea, thank you so much for playing our game today. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And hey, as a special thank you gift, we're going to send you a brand new book. It's called uh, Sapphire's Political Dictionary, and get this: it's signed by the author himself, William Sapphire. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much. And if folks want to find out more about Word Girl, they can go to pbskids.org slash wordgirl, right? That's right. All right. Uh, if a question about language is puzzling you, give Word Woman and Word Man a call right here at one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three, or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. You have a way with words. Oh, hi. This is Tom McClure from Pittsburgh. Well, hello, Tom. What's hi, going Tom. on? Hi. How are you guys? I'm doing fine. Super duper. What's Very going great. on in Pittsburgh? Um, I noticed some things in print and some newspapers. Um, people writing an outraged letter as opposed to a letter of outrage. And I've noticed that this has gone into print a few times by respected uh, newspapers, and it sounds a little off to me because I don't see how a letter can be outraged itself, you know what I mean? Like the letters screaming and turning red in the face yeah, and waving its like, arms? Yeah, I imagine this, yes, this mm-hmm. visual, and it just wasn't working for me, mm-hmm. except for an amusing way. But Yeah, well, Tom, you've zeroed in on something that people call hypalogy. Okay. Are you familiar with that word, hypalogy? No, but I'm wor- willing to learn. All right. All right. Well, here's how you spell it. It's H-Y-P-A-L-L-A-G-E, hypalogy. And in language, that's when a modifier seems to be misplaced or misapplied. Like, for example, maybe you had a restless night last night. Did you? Um, fairly. Fairly? <laughs> yes, I did. Right. Well, actually, born in the house, so. Oh, my gosh. It's a little sketchy. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> sketchy. That's, great. that's great news, though. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Exactly. So your baby might have been restless, and you might have been restless, but actually the night wasn't restless, but we still say it was a restless night, right? Sure. Yeah. And I saw a great one uh, recently because I was flying, and I was in the airplane laboratory, and I was um, I looked up, and here's this sign that says airsick bags. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I hope they're not. We might need them, yes. <laughs> or what if these bags are airsick and puke on me? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's one of those things, if you look too hard at it, you can start getting these funny little images in your head, like bags that are about to barf and, um, like you said, letters that are angry. Right, red-faced letter. Yeah, exactly. Outraged letters. Yeah, I guess if you're taking it too literally, it can be problematic sometimes. So it's hypology then. Hypology, yeah. And it is a rhetorical um, device that is used sometimes to... Be poetic or to emphasize something, um, you know, Thomas Gray in his beautiful elegy in a country churchyard says, the plowman homeward plods his weary way. I mean, that's just beautiful, but the way isn't weary. He's yeah. weary. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I so, just didn't see it in print before I noticed it um, in this case. And I can understand the poetic license and how, it, how it's used now a little bit better. Yeah. What do you think, Grant? Are you outraged by outrage letter? No, no, it doesn't bother me in the least, and 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 I appreciate it as a, a way of um, communicating an idea without taking a circuitous route. Yeah, I mean, the, how would the you letter say written by the outraged person. Yeah, or, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, Tom, thanks so much. I hope you don't have too many restless nights. No, my my anger level is definitely gone down a few notches thanks to your help. I oh, good. It. All right, thank you, Tom. <laughs> good. All right, bye, bye, Tom. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye. Bye. Nice, great, simple question, though. I like those. If you've got one, give us a call, one 929 or pop us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Hello, you have a way with words. Hi, how are you doing? Hi, great. Who's this? 
This is Daniel from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Daniel from Chattanooga. Well, hello, Daniel. What's Welcome. going on in Chattanooga? Oh, it's uh, kind of the devil beating his wife. It's oh, the, it uh, is? Yeah. It, it's raining and sunshine at the same time? Absolutely, and I have to be standing in a good spot. Uh-huh. The devil's beating his wife, a monkey's wedding, the jackals are getting married. There are a lot of terms for when the sun is shining and it's raining at the same time. Interesting. <laughs> is that what you called about? Uh, no, actually. I was calling uh, in reference to the word janky, and if you've maybe ever heard that word before. Janky. Sure. J-A-N-K-Y, right? J-A-N-K-Y. Mm-hmm. And how would you use it, Daniel? Uh, well, normally, you know, I'd use it to signify, like, uh, you know, low-quality workmanship or uh, some sort of thing that was slipshod or barely usable. Mm-hmm. But uh, recently I asked someone else about it, and they, they seem to consider it a trait of a person, like a state of being. Like, that's a janky person, and I wouldn't hang out with them. So, Daniel, how would you use janky to describe an object? Uh, say, say, for example, in the sentence, like, let's all go for a group bike ride. I don't want to go. I've got this janky bicycle. Like, <laughs> one clatters down the road, you know? Um, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly how I would use it. I would say, you know, I don't, I don't, want, to, um, I don't want to use that hard drive to archive our data because it's kind of janky and it might die at any mm, moment. Right. Which means it's kind of suspect and a little, we're not quite sure about how it's going to perform and, and how it's going to turn sure, out. Sure, sure. Hmm. I've done some digging on this term. And well, there are a variety on. of different. Well, I, I don't have much. I can tell you that it goes back to the early 1990s. It's probably older than that, but that's the first time that I could find it in print. On it's actually on the internet. And the only theory that I've seen that makes a little bit of sense, or been able to put together, that it might be related to a dialect use of jinky, that means having been jinxed or making people feel like they've been jinxed. Ah. Somebody who acts as if um, they're a little weird. Oh, interesting. Well, that that kind of molds it. Um away from what I, what I would ever use it for, but now I can probably use it more effectively. Well, what you might be finding here is that the word has two different uses, uh, which uh, English abounds with words that are polysemous, as they say, which is uh, more than one meaning. They have more than one meaning. Well, sure. Yeah, that word just sounds like what it is, janky. It sounds like junky and skanky all mixed together. <laughs> I mean, it's just really <laughs> negative. <laughs> well, I think you've helped me uh, clarify what I want to do with it. All right. All right. What so are you going to do with it? <laughs> just use it. All right. But, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I just want to make sure that it, I'm using my slang correctly. Is that okay? <laughs> sure, sure. At some point, you're going to get too old for that, though, so just keep yeah, that in mind. So. <laughs> old people who use young slang are just no good. They're kind of yeah, janky. kind of creepy or maybe janky. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like being bald with a ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, guys. All right. Thank you, Daniel. Right, thanks for thanks, giving us a Daniel. ring. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you've got a janky understanding of a word and you want us to straighten it out for you, give us a ring, one eight seven seven nine two nine nine six seven three. That's one eight seven seven wayword Or email us. The address is words at waywardradio.org. Hi, you have a way with words. Yes, hello. This is Tom Gross from Cross Plains, Wisconsin. Well, hello, Tom. How are you? Hi, Tom. What's up, buddy? Well, I had a question regarding big box stores. I have been seeing that term recently, I guess mostly in the newspaper. And initially I thought it referred to stores that sold things in big boxes, things like electronics and appliances and stuff like that. Yeah, right. For refrigerators and washers in the sort. Microwaves. Right. But no, it seems to be that the term is used to refer to stores that look like big boxes. Mm-hmm. In other words, sort of standalone uh, big stores like a Walmart or a Target or something like that. Uh-huh. Right, they right. Sell a exactly. lot of little things, but um, so the big box refers more to the appearance of the store rather than what they sell. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered if you had any insight into which is correct or which it should be or whether it matters or. Well, it doesn't matter, Tom. But <laughs> but it's an interesting <laughs> question because it's one of those pieces of jargon that has left the, say, the developer and architectural world and entered mainstream English. And, and you're right, journalists use it a lot. They love it because it's a way to refer to these big, big stores that are really nothing but four walls and a ceiling and a bunch of cash registers, right? Yeah. And it's always meant that. It never really referred to, like, appliances you would buy in big boxes. But I can see how you might interpret that because it's kind of thrown around and they don't always explain it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sort of which came first, the big box or the 
big box that the big boxes come out of. Yeah, right. it goes back about 20 years or so. You can see it come up in a, in a variety of places. Actually, at just about the same time, the term starts to be used in Canada, in the United States, in the United Kingdom. So I suspect it was part of the vernacular of the world of building big chain stores. Like the, I'm thinking of the Sam's Wholesale Clubs. I'm thinking of Costco's and really massive chain stores, right? That's what we're talking about? Yeah, and I, I guess they're... They don't seem to be the ones that are in malls. They're sort of standalone. That's right. Right. That's, a, that's exactly right. So um, lots of square feet, lots of floor space, and um, kind of a warehouse with shopping carts, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have either of you heard the term ghost box? Mm, no. Is this when you buy a VCR out of the back of someone's station wagon and it actually turns out to be bricks? <laughs> <laughs> No, you sound like you've had personal experience with that, Grant. No, no, not me. (laughs) No, I was reading the other day that a ghost box is one of those big box stores that's gone out of business and moved. And so all you have in your neighborhood is this giant box with nothing in it. I could see how that could happen, definitely. I know that in the town where my parents still live, Walmart has moved three or four times. And every time they, they go, they leave a ghost box behind. And they're not always filled up right away. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for calling us on this today. It's an interesting question. Well, thank you for dealing with it. (laughs) All right. Take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, if you've got questions about language, we'd love to tackle them, get to the bottom of some jargon or some slang or anything you've got to throw at us. The number to call is 1-877-929-9673 or send us an email to words at waywardradio.org. Things have come to a pretty pass. That's our show, but you can leave us a message anytime. Give us a piece of your mind by calling 1-877-929-9673. That's 1-877-929-WORD. Or send an email to words at waywardradio.org. And you can join our discussions online in our forum. That's at waywardradio.org. Stephanie Levine is our senior producer. Our technical director and editor is Tim Felton. We've had production help this week from Dana Polakovsky and Michael Bagdasian. Away With Words is produced at Studio West in San Diego. I'm Grant Barrett. And I'm Martha Barnett, inviting you to join us next time right here on Away With Words. And I say either, you say neither, and I say neither, either.